Bickley and Marotta. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley Blast. The return of Cam Johnson was just what the Suns and a city of fretting fans needed. A nice story, a memory, and a reminder of how fun winning basketball can be at Footprint Center. And with the return of Johnson sparking something in both Mikhail Bridges, Bridges and DeAndre Ayton, there was an appearance of the super glue chemistry that made us all fall in love with this team in the first place. But last night was also about the future because the incoming owner, Matt Ishbia, was in the building sitting in Robert Sarver's old seat and his presence means the sale is about to go through, which is really the reprieve this basketball community needs more than anything else. But Ishbia also brings the fresh eyes we want from the Cardinals' new regime. He hasn't lived through the remarkable culture change orchestrated by Monty Williams and James Jones. He doesn't know all the heavy lifting Chris Ball did in those first two years, and he has no loyalty to what has happened here in the past, which means everything not named Devin Booker is surely on the table, maybe even the trading block. Now, in closing, Charles Barkley said last night that Ishbia should effectively blow up these sons and rebuild something better. In other words, Barkley does not believe this nucleus has what it takes to win a title, even at full strength, and that may be very very well true. But the new owner is officially in the building, if not in full control. He was certainly in the heads of the new players last night, which means, as of last night, we effectively begin a new journey with a new owner who's going to have to make some really big decisions on the fly. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable with two great locations. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. Yep, Suns got a win last night. Uh, there was an energy in the building that we haven't felt in a while with the return of Cam Johnson. And yeah, you mentioned it, Bick. Matt Ishbia sitting courtside mm-hmm. uh, for the first time. Brian Windhorst earlier in the week on this very show said, I wouldn't be surprised to see Matt Ishbia at a Suns game very soon. Well, it was the next home game. Yeah, I uh, was I was expecting Jan thirtieth. It was the next home game. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, um, and it does. There was a look to the future. Now the Charles Barkley thing last night. I didn't see the TNT broadcast, mm-hmm. but uh, you brought this up in the in the show prep meeting today. And Charles Barkley is pretty outspoken. Uh, that's why he is uh, who he is. Saying the sun should blow this up. Yeah. Um, and there was no malice attached to it. He, yeah. even, he even called them my sons. He said my sons should blow it up. So he, so it wasn't a malicious, it wasn't a hot take. It was just a guy saying th- th- their run is done. I couldn't find that exact quote, but this is sort of the follow-up about, you know, why – the last thing you want to do is be in that play and that little bogus play and stuff. Because, Why is it bogus? Well, because I don't like you get the right to get your your butt kicked by Denver and and uh, Memphis, which some people may agree with. Let me ask you this question, and then we can dive further into the Barkley mm-hmm. comments. Okay, if the Suns, if huge if. But let's play the if game. All right. If the Suns are completely healthy when the playoffs roll around and they're at eight seed, let's say, how do you find it impossible that they could beat the Denver Nuggets in a 1-8 series? I, 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 impossible is not the word. I'd find it highly unlikely. 
I, they might play close games. They're not. They're not this Nuggets team. The way they are playing, they're not beating that team in a playoff series. Not in my opinion. You might feel differently. Um, I don't think it's. Uh, I, I don't think it's a fait accompli. But I don't think they're winning. I would series. certainly favor Denver. Uh, especially if this runaway train that Nikola Jokic uh, is right now continues mm-hmm. to to have his way, I'm just look. I think that would be a nightmare one eight matchup for Denver. Well, yeah, if the Suns yeah, are completely yeah, listen, healthy, yeah, it's not what Denver wants. No, absolutely not. And, no, but I do think if they're fully healthy, they have got they've got a better roster. I think I think the bigger question really becomes though, as an organization, uh, because it, it's interesting. I, I heard uh, a promo that from Gamble a couple segments ago where he basically said he's off Chris Paul after this year, and and the Suns can get out from under Chris Paul at the end of the basketball season, uh, June thirtieth, whatever it is, and they owe him a lot of money going forward. So. There is there is only half of his contract though for next year. There's fifteen a, to the yeah, thirty. Yeah, there's a feeling. There's a feeling that when you look at Chris Paul, it, there's a feeling like you, you've gotten the last bit of juice out of that orange. I can't disagree with that, but it also I think that's a twofold proposition as well. Getting off Chris Paul is the first part of it. The second part of it is what are you adding? And there was the the rumors earlier this week from Sham Sharania that the Suns are going to have interest in Fred Van Vliet. I think Fred Van Vliet would be a perfect yeah, contingency. Like not, not even a contingency plan. A, a plan moving, yeah, successive plan. Yes. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Uh, and Charles Barkley, in terms of blowing it up now, there's a lot of questions there. What does blowing it up look like midseason? I, you know, if it's, if it, I'm not in favor of the Suns just saying, oh, this team can't win a championship. Let's let's just get rid of everybody. No, what are you? No, what no, are you no. getting back? If they choose to do that in the off season, that's a different story mm-hmm. altogether. And I don't know if, if if Charles meant now or at the end of the year, because again, I still think there's that little carrot that's out for there for the Suns. If they can maintain health, they can maybe make some noise. Now, it's improbable for an eight seed ever mm-hmm. to make a lot of noise in the playoffs, but they wouldn't be like your normal eight seed. No, I yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, I agree, just like Golden State wouldn't have been. Were they an eight seed last year, Golden State? No, uh, but they but they had a first round series against Denver, and they and they posted the upset. Yes. If, if you wanted to call it the yeah. upset, yeah, no. Listen again, I I'm not arguing with you arguing with you that they'd be dangerous, but do you bet a future on that? I, I, that's that I think is the big question here, and it's it's really going to come down to I think what Chris Paul is able to give this team when he rejoins the team unless they decide on making a real big splash at trade deadline. We know the Jay Crowder piece is going to get traded. At least we've been assured that by Brian Windhorst. But I think it's also pretty clear that what we're getting in return for Jay Crowder ain't going to be a whole lot. There was a report out of Miami that the Heat have a standing offer for Jay Crowder. And it ain't much. And, and and this is where you know this this whole saga has hurted the Phoenix Suns. It, it, teams know how desperate the Suns are to to trade them for something. So these are big, heavy decisions that, that they're going to have to make. Um, yeah, you would like to believe we all want to believe the championship window isn't over. We'd all love to believe that, but this new owner is going to have to make some real hard decisions based on that question. Well, even if you don't believe the championship window is closed. You have to acknowledge it's it's not as wide as it once was. No, no, it's not. <laughs> not nearly as wide no. as it once was. Uh, you can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, we dive back into the Cardinals' head coaching search. Where's it going in the next few days? We'll let you know. Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Football Friday with Bickley and Murata. Presented by 72 Soul. 
Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Obviously, I like Brian Flores. I've been around him um, in small sample sizes. I have a lot of guys that played for him. They have a lot of respect for him. Um, I See, like that him. means a lot to me. Yes, yes. From you, so yeah. that means a lot to me, man. I, and, and, and and I'm a and like you said, I like I like some of that old school feel, yeah, right? I, right? I want some of that. It I seems want, like they want that right now. Yeah, too. but the players gotta want it too, right? I, but from that point, I want to be coached like that. And I'm speaking as a player right now, not necessarily like who I would want to hire. I want someone that's going to come in, set the standard, be that voice because I know how important it is to have a strong voice from your head coach because I've been on some some teams that have weak voice head coaches yeah. and those teams are all over the place, right? Because everybody feels like, oh, I'm a... Because you're dealing with a whole bunch of type A. So if you're not going to check me and it's from coaching and players, I'm going to do it my own way, right? And that's why I say it has to be some of that balance when you're a head coach. Like, I don't want to micromanage you, but I'm not going to let you just do whatever you want to do, coach and player, right? I have the structure. I have the vision. And you need to buy into that. And so I like, I think Brian has been in this space, and I think he knows how to manage it even probably a little bit better this time around. That is longtime NFLer, our own Lorenzo Alexander on with Wolf and Luke yesterday, giving his thoughts on Brian Flores. And there's been a lot of glowing things said on the uh, radio station in the last 24 hours about Brian Flores from O.J. McDuffie, from a Miami perspective, from Lorenzo Alexander, uh, from an outside perspective. Uh, he's got experience, but not playing for Brian Flores. Uh, and both of those gentlemen, Bick, uh, when mm-hmm. it comes to what they like about Brian Flores, both focused on the old school. The harder edge, uh, the holding players accountable. Yeah. It just depends on what the Cardinals are looking for. They are coming off of a an experience where they had to fire a head coach after giving him a massive extension. Part of the reason why, and we'll get more details as time trickles uh, trickles on, but one of the reasons why was... Cliff Kingsbury was not labeled as a disciplinarian. Well, you saw it in, in yeah. the in the quality of play, in the penalties, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the tendency for a lot of NFL teams, and certainly historically for the Cardinals, has been you go from one type of a coach when you move on, you go to the opposite end of the spectrum. Well, and that's what Brian Flores represents and, and in this coaching circle. And, and again, the accountability was, or lack thereof, was right there in front of us in these endgame situations when the owner was sitting there seeing a team where where you're getting about 50 or so percent of the guys playing hard and the head coach was complimenting everybody for playing hard from that's that I think was right there was uh, eye opening for Michael Bidwell that wow yeah, this it, that this is okay with the head coach that, that he thinks this is playing hard you know it's it's the it's the whole thing of 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 really what's what and so yeah I, I think it's going to be interesting to see where this thing progresses. Uh, Mike Florio pointed this out and this and I think that this is an interesting adjunct to it all. There were people in the NFL who believed not just the situation in Arizona is going to lead the team to Brian Flores, but Brian Flores's lawsuit and the and the legal benefits from hiring Brian Flores are an added little spice here to the mix that might put Brian Flores over the top. And for those who don't know what I'm talking about, Brian Flores sco- screwed, uh, screwed, sued the NFL, <laughs> right, for feeling like he was screwed over racial discrimination. And and in that lawsuit, Steve Wilkes appears with complaints about the Arizona Cardinals. So the Arizona Cardinals are tangentially attached 
with this lawsuit. And and if you know anything about the Arizona Cardinals and what they've been able to do in terms of minority hirings and hiring females, right? Jen mm-hmm. Welter or whatever her name was. Yes. Yeah. And, and so I, I think that that they probably bristle at that and they think, okay, this is this would be a very high profile hire that accomplishes a lot of things. And so I think a lot of people are, are saying this might be a situation where Brian Flores as a head coaching candidate appeals to the Cardinals and nobody else. And that might be just fine. Well, and that's true, too, because if you look at the five teams in their candidate list right now, Brian Flores shows up on one mm-hmm. list, the Arizona yeah. Cardinals list. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think I, I personally, without having a full 360 degree view on Brian Flores, and I'm trying, is, is I think, good for me. I would be cool with that. And as much as I like Vance Joseph, I would not be cool with that because that to me would really frighten me about how serious they are about winning football games here. Let me, and who is actually in charge here? Let me ask you this, uh, and I'll, I'll put the, the results, the potential results in three different categories. Right. The Cardinals, A, end up with an experienced NFL head coach from the outside. That's choice A. Mm-hmm. B, they end up with an experienced head coach from the, from the inside in Vance Joseph. Or C, they end up with an inexperienced head coach, a first-timer, from the outside. How are you ranking, uh, on your preference, how are oh. you ranking those three potential the options? Way, the way you laid it out, A, B, then C. So I you'd would, still rather I take Vance rather Joseph? I would rather have Vance Joseph as a head coach than someone who's never done the job, yes. It's close. It's Neither one are what I prefer. But I, I think the experience to me is they can't go with a, with an inexperienced head coach. They can't do that again. Well, After and, and, what they've just been through, could they really do that again? What would make them believe they have the right guy? Well, one of the things that they sold four years ago, Cliff Kingsbury's coming from college. Yes, he doesn't have any NFL experience or any context, but... He's going to have a former NFL head coach as his defensive coordinator that he can lean on. And he's got a GM with a great contact list who will backfill everything he needs. (laughs) So how did that work out? I don't think I'm in agreement with your order. Uh, what order are you? Uh, you, so you I, want an inexper- inexper- I want an experienced head coach from First. the outside, A, an inexperienced head coach from the outside, B. B. And then or, Vance Joseph, C? Yes. <laughs> wow. Because again, can I just have Sean Payton, please? <laughs> we just and, know, and, apparently. Uh, the, the demands, like every day you read what it might take to get Sean Payton from a trade compensation standpoint... And what he might be asking for in salary, and it just seems like you. I, I know even I the listen. Denver Broncos with Walmart money to pay a coach maybe twenty five million dollars a year and give up capital to get him. I know. Well, what, how many years does he have left on his two, contract? Two, two. Oh goodness. Well, the thing so is, you can't even wait out like the year. But the thing is, if you think uh, an impact NFL head coach is commensurate in value to a franchise quarterback then you can justify that number. It's just never been at that number before. And it seems like an awful lot for a head coach until you realize the ones that are all that are worth Andy Reid is worth that. You ever see that guy, Jarrett? Never heard of him. Did you hear what Andy Reid said when he found out his team was going to Germany next year? If I even didn't hear it, do you think 70 people didn't tweet me the, <laughs> what, what the did link? What did he tell you? What did he say, Jarrett? <laughs> 
<laughs> he said, they asked him what he's looking forward to about going to play in Germany. He says, I'm going to get me a bratwurst. Yeah. <laughs> he, did, he didn't say, I'm going to Oktoberfest. He didn't say, I'm getting a schooner of lager. They just say the, he, he didn't say the culture, the, the yeah. museums. He, he no. didn't even go with the obvious. With We know Andy, uh, Andy Reid's love of hamburgers. Oh. The root of hamburger is hamburg. That's like Mecca. Oh. <laughs> it's like Mecca. It's like going That's to the pilgrimage to Hamburg. He's visiting Mecca. That's funny. So, so I think the price of an impact coach, I, I think, is bad. As much as that hurts, it's why Jay Feely went, yeah, I do it. Because they are worth that much. It just seems like it seems preposterous that they would be. When you roll through a lot of bad coaches, it seems preposterous that you'd pay one twenty million dollars a year. Yeah, I guess. You're, listen, your order might be right. Your order might be better than mine. Taking a, a chance on a, D- a D'Amico Ryan's might be better than rolling out Vance Joseph. You might be right. But I think we're in agreement. The best case scenario is experienced from the outside. I yeah I can't get past that either. And right now that's what a, a, a two person list: Frank Reich yeah. and, and Brian and Flores. Again, it's just it, the Cardinals cannot be acting like they know how to win Super Bowls when they've never won a Super Bowl. That's true too. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. Coming up next, the man Nabik just mentioned. We'll get a closer look at him as a candidate. D'Amico Ryan's defensive coordinator from the San Francisco Forty ers We'll check in with Matt Mayo from NBC Sports Bay Area next. It's Pickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, Cardinals head coaching search, update, update, update. Interviews happening, interviews scheduled as the Cardinals look to fill that uh, office. Vacated by Cliff Kingsbury after a disappointing season and here to give us uh, some insight on another candidate from San Francisco, their defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans. We will talk with Matt Mayoko from NBC Sports Bay Area, one of the hosts of the 49ers Talk podcast. He joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Matt, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. How are you guys doing this morning? Hey, doing well. Uh, we're in a much different place in Arizona football-wise than you are in the Bay Area. We'll get into the the, the playoff game coming up, but uh, in your mind, and, and, and covering D'Amico Ryan's the last couple of years as a defensive coordinator, he's an up-and-comer, he's a hot name, a hot commodity, he's doing a lot of interviews. How ready do you think he is to be an NFL head coach? I, you know, it all depends on what kind of staff he can put together. You know, obviously he's a defensive guy, he played in the league a long time. He's a young guy. He hasn't been coaching all that long, but he, he's, uh, I mean, he will be a head coach at some point, and it's just a matter of basically, my guess is probably when he wants to be a head coach, and I think he's going to be, Yeah, I don't think he's just going to jump at the first opportunity. Last year, he had a second interview uh, set up with the the Vikings, or at least they wanted him to come in for a second interview, and he declined and said, you know what, I think I have more to learn. Uh, I want to return back to the 49ers and you know, do this on my terms. And so that's what he did, and, and his stock has only increased. He's, he's an impressive guy. There's no question about it. Um, you know, In talking to Nick Bosa, he says that he's never been around a coach as good as D'Amico Ryan's. And it's what he pointed to was his ability to just relate to play he has that kind of innate sense of how hard to push, when to back off, 
you know, when to when to get in somebody's face, when to pat him on the back. He said he's never been around a coach who just knows, uh, just has such a good feel for being able to relate to people and get the most out of them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a I'm a big D'Amico Ryan's fan. I don't know. You know, like I said, I mean, I think a lot of this comes down to when you get in that room and you start talking to a potential employer, what's your plan? You know, who's going to be your offensive coordinator? Uh, you know, who are going to be your, your position coaches? You know, what's your overall plan for the organization? That part, I, I, I have a really good sense that, you know, D'Amico is going to crush all that, that part of it. You know, he, he works well with people. Um, He's he's at some point. I, I you know he's going to be a head coach. He's going to be a successful head coach. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. It, it, what's interesting to me now? It, it seems like a lot of guys in the 49ers organization now are are being coveted the way that people once looked at Sean McVay's coaching tree and that kind of thing. And and it's it's a credit to what obviously the 49ers have built. Um, how do you draw the line between the transcendent talent the 49ers have, particularly on defense, and and D'Amico Ryan's skill? Um, as it might extrapolate to being a head coach? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, there's no question that, you know, the, the coaches generally on the better teams get looked at. But I I don't know that, you know, when I think about D'Amico Ryans as a head coach, I'm not thinking of him from the X's and O's standpoint. You know, there are certain things that, you know, some guys like, Cal uh, Shanahan, for instance, when when he became a head coaching candidate and and the 49ers hired him, it wasn't. I mean, it was because he brought with him a great offense, and he was the, had the X's and O part just absolutely nailed. And then I think because of that, because of the respect he had around the league, he was able to bring great coaches in with him. Uh, the 49ers have created this culture, though. I mean, you talk about the coaches also, you know, the executives. I mean, they just had, you know, the director of player personnel yeah. become a general manager. They just they had last year, mm-hmm. um, you know, or two years ago, I guess it was, you know, they an executive become a general manager. I mean, they've had they just throughout the organization, they built this really good culture of exclusivity or not, not exclusivity, but inclusive. I mean, everybody's has a, has a hand in, in the operation. Everybody has a voice. And so for D'Amico, I don't think it's, I, I mean, his attractiveness as a head coaching candidate goes far beyond the the defense that he coached, you know, the players that he coached. It goes far beyond the Freyers holding the number one, you know, defense in the league and both yards allowed and, and points allowed. To me it's it's what he can bring to the organization as a CEO type. And I think that that's the part that uh, will get him in the door and will have him knock down the door and become a head coaching not not only candidate, but he'll become a head coach. Neil, sooner than later. Matt Mayoka, NBC Sports Bay Area, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Dan and I were just talking about it during the commercial break before you joined us about just the timing of everything and how it works in the NFL. And here the 49ers are two steps away from, from a Super Bowl berth, and yet their defensive coordinator is interviewing with everybody under the sun for a head coaching position. Yeah. And I don't blame D'Amico Ryans for people being yeah. interested in him, but do you think that timetable, that calendar needs to change, Matt? I, you know, it does, but I don't know what the solution is. I mean, do you just 
to tell teams that you know, do you make it a rule that you can't have any head coaching interviews until the season is over? Because if you're able to to do head coaching interviews with some guys and not others, yeah. that put the you know the the group of the others at an extreme disadvantage. You know, teams want to know where they're going. They want to know, uh, you know, they want to be able to strike and and get done what they want to get done. So I don't know what the solution is. I mean, the, the 49ers uh, are certainly in that boat right now with Tamiko Ryans, but you know what? Their opponent, the Dallas Cowboys, they're in that same boat too. Yeah. Dan Quinn is interviewing for jobs as well. And I know uh, D'Amico hasn't necessarily gotten into you know all of everything about how he how this preparation has impacted him. I know you know the interviews. He had an interview last night uh, with the. Broncos on um, a, a little bit of an earlier night. Most of the, the coaches get done pretty early on Thursday, and then he has another one today. Um, and so it's, Friday is a, a lighter day. Yeah. One of the things that Dan Quinn talked about, though, was that he does all of his preparation for these interviews in the off season because uh-huh. he knows that you know, he figures that he's going to get head coaching interviews. And he also figures that the Cowboys are going to be in the playoffs. So all the preparation he did was in the off season. And this isn't like this cram session of, you know, Oh, I better rush through this game plan preparation. And, you know, how, how are we going to defend uh, Dak Prescott and CD lamb? And and let me start uh, making some phone calls and seeing who I can bring with me as my offensive coordinator. You know, these are, this is preparation that's, that's taken, you know, has been months and months and months in the making. So I, I, you know, I understand, um, how awkward it is and how demanding it is, especially this time of year with teams that are still in the playoffs. But I, I don't, I'm not sure what the solution would be. Yeah. Let me add last question for you, Matt. You know, it's, it's kind of ironic for a team that used all that draft capital to, to jump up and get Trey Lance. And now you guys are rolling with Mr. Irrelevant. <laughs> what is the feeling internally about Brock Purdy? Is he the guy? Is, is he, is he look like he is ready to be that guy? I mean, he, he kind of looks like it. You know, he he looks the part. He, you know, he acts the part. He talks the part, and and I guess more importantly, he plays the part. Um, they liked him. I mean, when they when they drafted him, you know, Kyle Shanahan said, you know, eh, you know, he's he's Nick Mullins, you know, and and it wasn't meant as a insult, but it certainly insinuated that there was a very low ceiling for. Brock Purdy. Well, once they got him in here, and by the way, Nick Mullins is a, is a fine quarterback. You know, he's a, he's a good backup quarterback. A lot of teams would like to have Nick Mullins. I'm not, you know, I'm not. I don't want to disparage Nick Mullins, but he's not a guy that you look at as oh, he's a you know he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. And if you get this guy as a starter, you're set. But once Purdy got in, they're like, oh, no, this isn't Nick Mullins. This guy has a stronger arm. Um, he has great pocket presence. He has a calm demeanor about him. Um, he's smart as heck. I mean, he he he's checked all the boxes. I mean, you saw him week eighteen. Um, he's just a. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how he would be faring on another team where he had to do more. He had to do a lot in college at Iowa State. 
and he experienced ups and downs there, but he had a really good career. Um, but he didn't have the physical tools. He's you know under six foot one. Um, he's obviously not an imposing guy, but man, he's quick. He he can escape the pass rush. He keeps his eyes downfield. He the the great thing that he has going for him is that. Um, he has great playmakers. Yeah. I mean, all he has to do is just run the offense, which he's done. This is a very complex offense, but he, you know, when he makes a mistake, he makes it once and then he corrects it. And then, you know, they move on. So it, it's difficult for me to say at this point, after watching him play, that they can take him out of the lineup ever. You know, I think he's earned that. And so even though they traded up in the 2021 draft to select Trey Lance and, and invested, obviously, a lot of draft capital to get him, I, I just don't know how you can possibly take Brock Purdy off the field because of how well he's played and how well he fits the system. Yeah. So, you know, that's a that's a, a big-time question for Kyle Shanahan and how they're going to, to deal with this in the offseason. But, I mean, at this point, it's really difficult to imagine anybody other than Brock Purdy leading this team for the long term. That's yeah, been amazing, Matt. Thanks so much for the uh, time and the Thank insight you, today. Always good to check in with you. All right, Dan, Vince, thanks so much. Thanks, Matt Mayoko, NBC Sports Bay Area, also co-host of the 49ers Talk podcast. He joined us on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, we'll get deeper into that playoff matchup. Niners-Cowboys as well as Giants-Eagles as divisional playoff round is here in the NFL. It's Bickley and Murata mornings on this Friday on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Football Friday with Bickley and Murata, presented by 72 Soul. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. It was definitely I did. Um, I think this whole team did. Um, obviously, using that loss last year as a, as a motivation and just kind of um, the, the focal point, I guess, of the resiliency that, that we carried uh, into the offseason, obviously carried into this year. Um, yeah, we get a chance to, to, to um, go back and um, at their place, uh, do, do something that, that we want to do. That's Dak Prescott, quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, trying to avenge last year's playoff loss. The Cowboys fell to the 49ers in the wild card round last year. This year, they meet again in the divisional round with a, a spot in the NFC Championship game on the line. Uh, this game will push the uh, Cowboys 49ers playoff matchup to a tie for the most frequent playoff matchup in NFL history. Is that right? Ninth time they've met in the playoffs. Wow. And some classics, obviously. Dwight Clark's catch. I mean, those early 90s matchups Mm -hmm. when you had Steve Young and Jerry Rice on one side and those Cowboys Super Bowl teams on the other. Uh, This is a a great matchup. And, um, And Dallas, I think, added to the luster of this matchup with how... How well they played on the road in Tampa Bay in the wild card round. They dominated that football game. Yeah, the uh, so I think if the AFC playoffs are a tale of transcendent impact quarterbacks, the NFC you've got like just just lots and lots and lots of history. The Giants Eagles, obviously, that's an NFC East game. That's a divisional battle. Um, that thing is going to probably be close just by definition because of that. And then, as you pointed out, Cowboys 49ers, there have been just some mammoth confrontations uh-huh. between those two teams over the years. Yeah, listen, those um uh, certainly the last game is very very interesting to me. I I I heard Micah Parsons again talking about how how it's they're really looking forward to us to this cuz no one gives us a chance and I nearly threw up. 
<laughs> and and I said to myself, whoever said this last week is right on the money. Uh, professional sports needs to um, needs to hire or assign a fact checking committee anytime any athlete or any team plays the no one respects us card, no one gave us a chance card. They need to be vetted and exposed if it's inaccurate. You mean to tell me as the Dallas Cowboys, you're going up against a, guy, a team with a third string quarterback and nobody gives you a yeah, chance? It's a ragtag Come group on, from Dallas that has no history and yeah. no following. It's just, it's it's <laughs> nauseating. Never gets any hype, never, never get any press, uh, media coverage nationally or locally. It's uh, I, I, I'm shocked they still exist with the lack of respect mm-hmm. that's paid to that no, organization. How about it, right? But this matchup is great and, and what we just talked with Matt Mayoko about, I mean, Brock Purdy is at the the center of this and how well he's played. And yes, they asked him to be a game manager, but he's done more than that. And he's been fantastic. They haven't lost since he took over. I was thinking about it, Bick. Two guys with the 49ers that we certainly weren't talking about being big parts of their team. One of, uh, one of which, because he wasn't on the team, but Christian McCaffrey and Brock Purdy are the big stories offensively right now for the 49ers. Right. Who do you think would get more more credit for, for this late-season push and where they are right now? Because a lot of people are calling Christian McCaffrey the best mid-season pickup in the history of the NFL. He has been phenomenal. For yeah, them. yeah, I know he's been he's been the absolute perfect fit. He's exactly what that team needs. the uh, The amount of impact players they can get the ball to now with, with Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey. It's it, it's it kind of like makes you look at Brock Purdy and say, okay, how much of this is you and how much of this is like you said that system. Um, I think it'd be an incredible accomplishment for the four. 49ers to get to a Super Bowl with the third string quarterback. No matter no matter who or what Brock Purdy happens to be, that would be that would be such a flex. Uh-huh. Because so many cities have seen what it's like to be down to dregs come playoff time, and it's just not a winning proposition. And it really would be unprecedented because the comparisons are you know, Tom Brady, Kurt Warner, but those all happened, they were there the whole season. They played pretty much the entire season. True. Or you could say Nick Foles. Nick Foles, though, came in in the playoffs and only had to win a couple games. Yeah, and Nick Foles was a veteran at that point, too. He was was somewhat of a known commodity. This is an unknown, nearly undrafted guy in the middle of a season and they've played the best they've played with him as quarterback. Yeah, it's it's been remarkable. And, and you know, speaking of quarterbacks and the other NFC matchup, the Saturday matchup in Philly between the Eagles and the Giants, uh, Jalen Hurts, his his shoulder. I mean, the Giants have publicly said, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna test him out with the, with that shoulder." Jalen Hurts came back in Week 18, uh, admitted he was in a ton of pain. He had the week off with the bye, with the Eagles being the number one seed. But that shoulder could be the great equalizer if the Giants are able to put pressure on him, maybe in, inflict a little discomfort to to Jalen Hurts. That could be the equalizer there. What I do know about Jalen Hurts, though, yeah. they don't come tougher than that at the quarterback <laughs> position. I know. They don't. That guy is as tough as nails. You know, it's funny because he just he just came out and said that when people were asked about, aren't you worried about being targeted in this game if you're not playing well? He's like, he said, I'm a quarterback. There's a bounty on me every week. Yeah. And it was a little too honest for the NFL standards. Yeah. But it's oh, We don't true. like the word of that. Yeah. We don't but like the B word. Shut up, Jalen. <laughs> Yeah, we don't want that. No, that B word. No, thank you. See, Greg Williams was like, "See, yeah, see, right? Yeah, it wasn't just me. See." <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, um, the Giants so, have not won in Philly, by the way, since October 27th, 2013. Well, what's ironic about this is there was an NFC title game in Glendale one year, and the Eagles upset the Giants, which opened the door for the Cardinals to get to the Super Bowl. That is right. Remember that? That is yeah. right. And now the shoe's kind of on the other foot here, because the Giants are kind of perceived as the underdog, just based on the Eagles' record with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. But yeah, this is a division game. It's a third time these two teams are going to play. Uh, like I said, that almost guarantees this is going to be a close game. There's just going to be there's going to be none of that none of that two prize fighters kind of like throwing jabs for five six rounds. These these teams know each other so well. So. And you get into that whole storyline of, hey, how hard is it to beat a team three times in one season? Yeah. Philadelphia's facing that because they yeah. crushed the Giants at the Meadowlands and then uh, beat them by six in, in, in Week 18. So I, I, I'm really excited about this weekend of football, I think. Yeah. Uh, for what the schedule lacked on paper last weekend, it more than makes up for, and I'm expecting the quality of games to be great. Now watch. It'll reverse. And we'll uh, have, it'll we'll, be just we'll, terrible. We'll, we'll come on the air on Monday yeah. morning and talk about four blowouts. Yeah, no, you said this earlier in the day, and, it, and historically it's been been true historically this has been my favorite weekend of football yeah. when you get two games on saturday two games on sunday and they're and that's all the teams that are left in the yeah. nfl that's about as good as it gets i don't know if, i i don't know if you feel the same way with the addition of the wild card teams and the super wild card weekend when you got three games on a day that's a lot you got two on saturday three yeah. on sunday and then oh by the way a monday night game it doesn't on, on feel the tail exclusive end. yeah i agree yeah with you. this is this is you. about the perfect amount of football uh can't wait text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620 620 right now. Coming up next, Sarah Gazelle will take us through some social studies on Twitter. It's Bickley and Murata mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.